You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm Dee Clark, and this is Cortez Currents, which you can also access in text form at cortezcurrents.ca. Noba Anderson has been Cortez Island's longest-serving regional director for 14 continuous years. She chose not to seek re-election in 2022. I interviewed Noba on October 14th, and we took a look back over her long run as regional director and forward to her hopes for the future. So, Noba, you've served longer than any other Cortez regional director with 14 years in office. That would be two three-year terms and two four-year terms. And you were first elected in... 2008, the very end of 2008. So what what is a regional director? I mean, what were you signing up for back in 2008 when you decided you wanted this job? A regional director is essentially the equivalent of a mayor in a rural, unincorporated area. So in British Columbia, outside of municipal boundaries... There is one elected representative for each geographical rural area that then sits on a regional district board with their rural counterparts elected from other rural areas and representatives from all of the municipalities in that area. So the Strathcona Regional District encompasses the municipalities of Sayward, Tassus, Sabalas, Gold River, Campbell River, and then the rural areas that span from Butte and Toba all the way over to the west coast, Cayucat, Gold River, up north of the Sayward Valley and down to the Oyster River to the south. So I sit with now 14 members. It has been 13 until recently the elected member of the Cayucat Chaklaset Nation has joined our board. But the majority of the past 14 years, it's been a 13-member board, four of which are rural and the remaining urban municipal. There are five reps, I believe, from Campbell River, and then one rep from each Gold River, Sayward, Tassus, Zabalas. What actually does a regional director do? I mean, what, what is the job? That's a hell of a question. It comes with no job description. There is literally nothing to look up and reference and read, as far as I've ever come across. Certainly at times, depending on the administration and the board, there will be orientations about what is the legislation under which we work and what are some of the the norms and best practices. And we can go to local government leadership academy trainings. And but there is no job description that says this is what you must do and this is what you may not do. And there's certainly the local government act that says, you know, you you can't be in conflict of interest and, you know, you can't vote on this certain issues and you can vote on those. But in terms of what is generally expected, no. I remember a a number of years in going to a, a conference up in Port Hardy or Port McNeil on economic development and the people presenting it said, it is absolutely your job to be your economic development leader in your community. Well, that had never occurred to me, and I'm sure others would think otherwise. And so it's, it's interesting in so much that it's largely up to interpretation. Certainly, the core minimum job is very simple and very straightforward. You show up to three to four days of meeting a month on the hospital board, the solid waste board, 
the Strathcona Regional District Board and the Electoral Area Committee and read your agendas and vote yay or nay on the various things at hand. And then there's an expectation generally that you're available for advocacy for your community to outside agencies, so highways and health authority and, you know, whatever it might be. But the the range of how people choose to interpret their job is is huge. But beyond that, it's largely up to the individual directors to determine. So I have one colleague, Gerald Wally, who prides himself on no government is good government, and his job is to keep government out of his area and reduce taxes and do as little as possible. And And his job is very, very minimal. And then Jim Abram has, you know, according to him, at times turned it into an absolute double full-time job sitting on the Union of BC Municipalities and all kinds of external appointments and bodies and and is just at it all the time. And we all get the same pay, essentially. You get a little bit more if you go to more meetings. But So one thing I'd very much like to know, especially in hindsight, is why did you want this job? What inspired you to, to campaign and to get elected back in? Elected in the end of 2008, and I didn't contemplate it until just a few months before the election. Oh, well, that's interesting. So, so it's 2008. What on earth made you at that point think, uh, wow, I really want to be a regional director? What actually inspired me at the time, I had a number of people suggest that I run, and I just rolled my eyes and lovingly scoffed. And it wasn't until one particular friend and mentor asked me to really consider it that I had to sit down long enough to really think about it. And I went to a couple of board meetings and sat in on them. And and what ultimately tipped the balance for me was we were about to embark on the review of our official community plan. And that is an aspirational, visionary document that, I mean, I see now is far less effective than I thought it was at the time. But I really saw as being the light that this community would would move toward if we got it right. And I wanted to see my generation really engaged in that. I saw that for the most part, the people in community leadership roles were my parents' generation here. And I really wanted my generation to be at the core of that visioning process. And so I thought that I would do one term. It would be three years we would get that OCP done, and I would move on with my life. That was my goal. Of course, it wasn't completed in a term, so then I had to run again, and here we are. 14 years, it's um, it's a long time. And how did your perception of the, uh, the job, the possibilities in that job evolve? Obviously, you walked in thinking, we're gonna have an OCP in three years. So, yeah, so there must have been some adjustments to your uh, your worldview? Well, I certainly, I did believe that we could accomplish an OCP review in three years. It took five or six or something. Anyway, but clearly that's not the only thing one would do in three years. And so when I got in, I became very immediately interested in the regionality and the provincial scope of the job and went to the conventions, the provincial union of BC municipality conventions and the the regional equivalent and got involved in, in the climate action portfolios really early on and tried to bring back best practices from other communities and nonprofits to the regional district around climate action and that failed. And after I say probably 
a, a year or two into my term, I realized that the regional director was the only position here locally that held the responsibility for thinking of the whole, that held the responsibility to think for the interconnected, big picture perspective of the island. And there were so many nonprofits here who were doing fantastic work in their own sectors. So you've got an organization running the docks and another running the clinic and another running the community halls and another running the fire hall. And, and they, they do fantastic work, but there wasn't much communication between them. And there wasn't any body or collection of them that was thinking in an overarching manner. And so I pivoted my attention relatively early on in my time in office to trying to support indeed the collective thinking in that way. And because I knew that whoever came after me might not have that perspective. And certainly people before me, you know, you, you can interpret the job so, so widely. So I turned my attention towards supporting the social profit sector here and shifting the way grant and aids were spent and supporting the, the nonprofit sector getting together in forums and supported the formation of what is now the Community Economic Development Association and then the Cortez Island Foundation. What are some of the, the highlights of those 14 years for you, like the things you accomplish, things you feel have some lasting value? You know, what do you look back on and say, uh, yeah, I did that? Well, what, what has lasting value more than land? right? I mean, almost everything else that I've done requires our continued concerted attention and effort to sustain. But the, the pieces that I feel most solid about are indeed parks, because chances are they're not going to get undone. So Hank's Beach was, you know, a glorious one to bring into the park system. It was with no funds from the taxpayers to purchase it and very little funds to to maintain it so that was an incredible gift and then later the purchase of the Welltown Commons which was largely on the taxpayers dime but I think is is just a stunning legacy in the middle of Welltown that connects kind of three neighborhoods with a with a trail network and salmon stream and then there's been a couple little beach accesses and things but those those are the the land legacies that that I feel good about and then from there, as I, as I mentioned, I was turning my attention more towards the collective think and the social profit network. So I dedicated my maternity year to supporting the formation of the housing association and purchasing the lands we now know as Rainbow Ridge, the 50 acres behind Matson's Hall. And again, that's land. That feels like now we still don't have a house for somebody to live in. It's really slow and really frustrating. But at least there's a piece of land there that I don't think will be undermined. And it starts to create some organizational structure around addressing our housing crisis. Well, you have decided to uh, step down. And local resident Mark Vanesh has put his hat in the ring. There are no other contenders, so Mark is going to be elected by acclamation. Do you think our relationship with SRD is going to improve a bit with uh, with a new face, kind of a fresh start? I think I think Mark will have a better time of it, certainly. He believes in regional politics and he believes in the political machine. I'm, I'm 
pretty worn down on my belief in that. So he's got a sort of a fresh perspective. So I think he'll do just fine. I, my only concern, and I've, I've shared this with him, is I, I think that over time he'll realize that there isn't as much capacity to affect change as he hopes that there would be. And may he prove me wrong. I just wish him all the very best in navigating the complexity of this job. And I make a complete unwavering commitment to be as available to him as he wants. Passing on whatever historical files or information or context that he might find valuable. I certainly made that public commitment to to anybody who would do this job after me. Now, to what extent he will want that, you know, is his call. I'm not going to be pushy about it. But I know that when I took office, that wasn't available to me. And it I wish it had been. And how, at this point, would you summarize your experience as regional director for Cortez? I've struggled with the slow pace of the bureaucracy of government. That's been really hard. But the ups have far outweighed the downs overall. It has been such an honor to serve this community and to be given the trust to do my best on our collective behalf. And the level of gratitude that continually comes my way has been really humbling. I don't find that when I go to the store, I get bombarded with what about my pothole on my street, but rather gratitude. And that, I wouldn't do this anywhere else. I wouldn't contemplate you know, standing in the fire that is required for local government for any community that I didn't just adore. Well, this interview will continue in several more segments, airing at 3 p.m. on Cortez Currents. In later episodes, we'll dive more deeply into history and issues. We'll talk about local governance, the regional district system and how it works or doesn't, the community strife and litigation surrounding the 2018 election, and more. Just a reminder, the views and opinions heard on this program are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio, its board, its staff, its membership, or any granting agency, but are those of the writer, producer, and guests. And as always, thanks for listening.